Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A couple of weeks ago, through the powers of technology, I chatted to fellow podcaster, best-selling author of Open, member of the Saturdays and presenter Frankie Bridge. Frankie and I talk about her TikTok sessions with her husband Wayne, who is, by the way, pretty skilled at it, as well as how she deals with mum guilt and, like the rest of us, can find herself negatively comparing herself to others in social media. We also chat about why Frankie's bandmate Molly was her first guest on her own podcast, Open Mind. Her dream guests, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And we get a rundown of her podcast recommendations. Everything from murder to music pods. It's all there. This was such a pleasure to record. Frankie's openness was so refreshing and I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So now, let's get cast away with Frankie Bridge. Frankie Bridge, welcome to Castaway. Thank you. How are you doing? This is it's strange because all, normally when I do these podcasts, I can see the person opposite me and now I'm doing it from my home and I'm assuming you're in your home. <laughs> yeah, I'm sat in the bedroom right at the top as far away as possible from my kids so that it's <laughs> nice and quiet and I'm sat on the floor with the microphone on a plastic box. <laughs> the glamour. I think last week when they start talking about lockdown and everything, I thought I'm still going to get dressed every day and even when I'm doing things and people don't see me, I'm still going to make an effort. I am in my pajamas right now and I don't care. Yeah, same. What's the point? <laughs> what is the point? I know I'm like I'm going to be still making an effort every day. I think that lasted two to three days and I thought no unless you can see my face yeah I don't even make an effort at home anyway in normal life and I was like oh everyone's putting makeup on and stuff maybe I should do that and my friend was like Frank you don't even do that on your days off anyway I was like <laughs> yeah no that's a good point <laughs> why change now exactly um how are you guys doing how are the kids and Wayne and, and being at home all the time because you are a working mom you're used to being at home but also being away from home yeah, it's it's weird. At first I was like, well, this is nice. You know, like it's a really horrible situation, but I'm going to take the positives from it. It's really nice to all be together, all four of us at home. And it was sunny, so it was nice. The kids were out in the garden. And at first I was quite enjoying it. And then I kind of had my first wobble now where I'm like, okay, this is going to be quite a long time. The boys are asking quite a lot of questions about, can we go to certain places? Can they see their friends? And it's just that realization that this is kind of our new normal and we don't know for how long really. And I think that's what's making it harder. How old are your boys? Four and six. So you're doing a little bit of homeschooling? Oh yeah, we did. Well, we're going? in we're in the Easter holidays now, so I'm mm. all good now. But we did do a week <laughs> of it, and my youngest, I'm like, I can't figure out if he just doesn't know this stuff or if he just does not care. It's so hard to do it with him. It's just like guesses everything and just looks at me as if to say, like, what are we doing? What's the point of this? So I've I've taken like quite a laid back approach. Like we did two subjects in the morning and then that was it. And we got everything done. But these people with these like schedules, I don't know how they drag it out all day. <laughs> I also, I've, I think a lot of the country has a newfound respect for teachers and yes. patients. Yes. Like I've always had this thing. I remember I asked Parker, my oldest, his teacher, I was like, so do you still want kids? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, wow, that's impressive. Like spending all day with other people's kids and you still want your own. I was like, okay. I just don't know how they do it. You know, they have to, but I do think kids are better behaved when they're not with their parents. I hope anyway. That's the thing. I think when you're at home, it's very hard to distinguish between being a parent and a teacher. You have to play those two roles and it's it's very hard. I can't imagine. I'm living with my boyfriend and my dog and the dog takes up a lot of my time and energy. How you do two kids, (laughs) I have no idea. Huge respect to you. Huge respect to you. I don't know what type of stuff that you and Wayne watch, but me and Ian together, we love watching anything, true stories or crime. I know you listen to Serial sometimes, you jump in and out of it and... um, what are your kind of viewing and listening habits? And why why do you go for certain things? 
Um, I think, yeah, I like a lot of the real life stuff. I think because it just takes you out of your, I don't know, like it's it, it's like something you've never experienced before, I suppose. Yeah. So like, wow, I can't believe that there are parts of the world where people live their lives like that. With Serial, I like binge listened the whole first series because I just found it fascinating just the way that... I don't know, like investigations work and just that whole thing of the unknown. So everyone ha- has a different theory and, you know, did he kill this girl or didn't he? And, you know, I love that thing of when you're listening or watching something like that, you're like, he definitely did it. He did it. He did it. And then you have the next episode and you're like, oh, maybe he didn't. And I, I don't know. I just find it interesting that there's still in this day and age, there can still be cases that we just don't know either way. Nothing is ever as crazy as, as real life. Uh, with Serial, it comes from the creators of This American Life and S-Town, which we've talked about on this show before. And it's hosted by Sarah Koenig, who's a, a newspaper reporter. So she's got that kind of brain, that journalistic mm. brain. And what I love about that, and when you're on that journey, you don't know where it's going to end. And Sarah, who hosts the show, I don't think she knows how it's going to no. end. So you're kind of with her the whole way. And I don't think she knows at the end, does she? I think there's still that. I mean, no. he's in jail, but you're still like, is he innocent? I just think it's it's fascinating. Almost 15 years ago, on January 13th, 1999, a girl named Heyman Lee disappeared. She was a senior at Woodlawn High School in Baltimore County in Maryland. She was Korean. She was smart and beautiful and cheerful and a great athlete. She played field hockey and lacrosse. And she was responsible. Right after school, she was supposed to pick up her little cousin from kindergarten and drop her home. But she didn't show. That's when Haley's family knew something was up, when the cousin's school called. About a month later, on February 9th, Hay's body was found in a big park in Baltimore, really a rambling forest. A maintenance guy who said he'd stopped to take a leak on his way to work discovered her there. He'd noticed a bit of her black hair poking out of a shallow grave. The cause of death was manual strangulation, meaning someone did it with their hands. A couple weeks after that, so six weeks after she first went missing, Hay's ex-boyfriend, a guy named Adnan Sayed, was arrested for her murder. He's been in prison ever since. So interesting even looking at the criminal justice system over in the States. And I I haven't, I've only just started series three of serials. So I haven't uh, listened to it all. But this mm. kind of looks at ordinary cases, kind of extraordinary stories within ordinary cases and, and how the, the system works. And I think it starts yeah. off by saying something like, you know, you'd be better off just pleading guilty because you'll get less time. And the, the guy is completely adamant that oh, I'm not going to do it. And they're like, oh, maybe he is innocent and just how the system works because there's no such thing as black and white right or wrong it's kind of gray yeah yeah I think yeah especially over there I, I always I don't think I'd like to go on trial in America I think it's terrifying and obviously their outcomes are a lot more severe than ours Mm -hmm. because I think the second series it was about a woman that went missing as well wasn't it yeah yeah I never got the whole way through that one but even that it's like even with all our cameras and and social media and the way they can track people like how people can still just disappear off the face of the earth just blows my mind like how can that happen with everything that we have I just I don't understand it then you know how people deal with it I also go down the rabbit hole when I watch something or I listen to a podcast. I suddenly have my phone up as well, Googling about them. I I, I need to find out every single thing about them, like going in, seeing what else can I find online? Because maybe I can discover something that they haven't (laughs) found out. (laughs) I know. Well, I think it's because as well, these people, they pop up in our lives and we know Mm -hmm. nothing about them. We've never heard of them before. So then you do, you just go down this rabbit hole of being obsessed with this one person or one situation. And I suppose we only know as much as anyone else knows but we do all think we're going to find like an extra little nugget of uh, information (laughs) so I want to talk about your book which you wrote but then you decided to do a podcast along with it and Mm. when you do a book and you have time to write it and obviously it takes a lot of time a lot of focus what made you do the podcast along with it because that's that's even giving more of yourself for me a lot of why I talk about my mental health is to kind of help people to feel like they're not alone and just to kind of get an understanding and and everyone has a different experience with mental health like none of the same really which is why I think it's so hard one for people to understand and two Mm -hmm. for people to be cured or helped or whatever and I just 
after writing my own, it was, I find it so fascinating to talk to other people about their journeys. And, you know, everyone comes from different walks of life. And, you know, some people might not have suffered with depression or anxiety, but they've had a lot of self-doubt or I've interviewed some people that are actually really positive and I find that inspiring hearing their stories like I interviewed Dynamo and I didn't go into it knowing that much about him on like a deeply personal level I was like he's a magician and that was kind of about it and I've met him a few times and actually he was fascinating because he Mm. has this way of taking bad things in his life and turning them on their head and turning them into positives and I finished that chat with him so inspired and I've just found it fascinating having that with people that I know and people that I know nothing about for instance like someone like you I've known you for years but I don't know you deeply in that way and Mm -hmm. like you say with podcasts I think it is a more intimate space and people feel like they can open up more I think because there isn't a camera there and it is just you two and I think you get on a more personal level a lot quicker I remember when I first met you with the rest of the Saturdays, and it must have been, oh, I'm going to say, like 10 years or something like oh, that. God, yeah, it would have been ages ago. <laughs> and you all came into MTV Studios um, <laughs> looking beautiful and loads of energy. And and it was lovely to see because you could tell, and I could always tell when bands came in, like who got on and who didn't get on. You can yeah. tell straight away. And you all got on and we sat down and did some interviews and 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 that's kind of how I met you and then I'd see you at different things throughout the time and then and then kind of got to know you but again never had this space to talk to you and with your podcast the first person you interviewed was Molly King and I just I loved it because I'd never seen that side because I'd seen you girls together as a band and I've seen you since then as friends but Mm -hmm. not you interviewing someone who'd been so close to you but and talk about things that you that the the rest of the world the wider world would never have access to or understand I think we've both always been insecure self-deprecating and we kind of both know how to pick each other up like you're quite positive although you are you are yeah I feel like I've got the two extremes haven't I like I remember at the start you called me like Miss Disney or something because you were like god (laughs) mole you just see everything in such a like a a movie way and like I was like oh I want to do this and do this and and I kind of had that outlook on everything. But I think that I've got the two extremes of either being like that or just being really hard on myself and a very anxious person. Yeah. But I think it actually took me a while to see the sort of everything that you were going through. Because mm. I know that you were quite good at sort of hiding everything that you were going through. And it wasn't until like a good few years in the band that I saw sort of like the extent of everything. Yeah. How was it interviewing someone like Molly, who you know really well and had been with you on a journey from such a young age? Well, when I started the podcast, she just seemed like the perfect person to start with. I think because, um, like you say, people had always seen us from the outside as this happy, carefree girl band. And people knew my story, but they didn't necessarily know how that affected the rest of the girls so I thought that was an interesting place to start and obviously we're really close so it just seemed like a comfortable person to start with and she was the first person to see me have a panic attack within the band and it was weird because it's not an interview is it really a podcast it's more of a chat but it's that it's that kind of work and friendship balance and whatever but it went really well and people found it really interesting and Molly's obviously had her own struggles with confidence and which obviously I knew about but the outside world like you say didn't know those things so Mm -hmm. it just seemed like a really good place to start. One thing you talk about with Molly there you mentioned was she was the first person in the band to to see you have a panic attack did you know Mm. what was happening when when you were at that stage when that first happened to you? Um, Yeah because I'd kind of been suffering kind of in silence on my own at home Um, so I kind of knew what was going on but it was randomly we were in Ireland for a gig and I just I don't know why but it kind of all just caught up with me and we had some time in the hotel before we were going to do the show and I just had this meltdown I just went into the room and I just wanted to be in my bed I shut all the curtains and kind of just wanted to shut myself away from the world and she came in to see me and had never seen me like that so for me I had been experiencing that anyway but 
she hadn't seen it. And I think it was quite a shock for her. And the reason as well that Molly was my first person that I chose to do the podcast with was because I'd posted a picture on Instagram of us Mm. walking back from the show. We had our arms around each other and it looks like a really nice, friendly, happy photo. And actually it was her pretty much holding me up and kind of supporting me and getting me through it. And I explained that on Instagram and it had quite a big reaction just to people. Mm-hmm. It's basically me, me saying that there's often more behind what you see in a picture than you originally think. And I think that kind of needs to be said more with social media. And it's really interesting looking at both sides, the person who who's dealing with the panic attack and anxiety, and also the other person, Molly, in this situation. But I'm sure a lot of people listening have been there where they witness a friend at a really low point and you don't know what to do. Do you give them advice or do you just be there and listen to them? It's very hard to know if you're the other person what you should do. Yeah, I think a lot of people worry about those situations. And my thing is I always kind of say to people that, you're not going to be able to fix that that problem because sometimes there's not a particular problem it's just something someone's going through and like general anxiety and stuff so I think just being there and listening and just letting someone know that you're there for whatever they want and that's the biggest thing for people around me have had to learn like especially Wayne my husband um and as well for Molly at that time it was like I just needed her to be there to help me get through that show. And that's what she did. There wasn't anything she could fix. She just had to kind of support me. One of the main things I've taken away from reading your book, um, and the book is called Open, and it it is open. It's exactly what it says. And it's it's about asking for help, why it's okay to ask for help. And I, I... I feel a lot of people can be quite proud to deal with things alone, um, especially I can imagine in your line of work where you have to be protective and closed uh, mm. just to look after yourself and people around you. But how it sometimes you reach a point where you have to say, I'm not okay, I need help with this. And in order to do that, you have to reveal kind of warts and all and, and all the things that you've had to deal with, not just the the kind of the glamorous and the exciting side of things, the actual mundane, normal shit side of life. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing with the book is that I'm kind of, I think people assume that a lot of my mental health came from being in the public eye and Mm -hmm. that's not the case. I was a really anxious child and I kind of say I came out of the womb anxious. That's just who I am. And obviously being in the public eye probably didn't help. You know, it just brings new insecurities, but I don't think that's the pressure that other people put on me. It's the pressure I put on myself. A lot of that comes from within. Um, And I think that's why I kind of wanted to write the book again, like I said, to make people not feel alone, to help people to understand, but also it's that proof of, yeah, I'm very lucky. I have a very nice life and yes, I've worked hard for that, but I know that I've always kind of known that I had a life that a lot of people would have wanted and yet I was still sick and unwell and unhappy and a lot of shame and guilt comes with that. And it was, yeah, it's kind of just explaining that in a book. Is, is there's a whole section, there's a whole section of the book about the things you feel guilty about, which was a real insight. Uh, and also admitting things you feel guilty about, because there's a lot of things I feel guilty about that I don't express or speak out loud. And even seeing some things, we have very different lives, but there's a lot of things that would resonate with me. How mm. was it writing down in black and white those things you feel guilty about? it's quite it is quite exposing like you say there are things that you don't necessarily want to tell people that you feel guilty about but it's it was important for me to say that because I knew it would resonate with some people like whatever walk of life we have similar things you know we all have to earn money we all have families and friendships and you know we all have these things we all have to deal with and it doesn't matter what your job is or where you live at the end of the day we all the same and yeah it's a big thing I think the biggest thing was kind of saying the guilt around like family and my kids and my husband because they're things that you don't really want to admit out loud and for them to see and something that a lot of mothers um, and fathers uh, will connect with. I want to go back to when you first became pregnant. I remember when <laughs> All Saints um, were huge and Melanie Black got pregnant and she had the, uh, I remember she was wearing a crop top with her her pregnancy <laughs> belly on stage. And I was like, yeah, she's so cool. You were pregnant and still on stage dancing around. Oh, yeah. 
But I love that because it was like working mom, you can be a pop star and pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was one of those things that you can't stop. But I was also, I was so painfully self-conscious. No one had ever seen me any other way, you know, any other size. And I always wore you know, we barely wore any clothes. So for me, it was like a real adjustment. Like my whole body changed, which was scary for me. And then having to kind of still go out on stage next to four other girls that looked the same as they were before and then trying to fit in and doing these dance routines. Like I remember when anyone was pregnant, we had to take the slut drops out. It was like slut drops and pregnancy just do not, do not work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I suppose it is that thing. It's like, like you know, you go down and just not get back up again. Well, it's that. And you felt like the baby was going to drop out. And also does it <laughs> look right? your legs. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's one of those things. But yeah, I found that quite hard. But again, like you said, you're pregnant you have to you carry on you are a working parent from even from the minute you get pregnant so you know it it is what it is how important is it listening to podcasts like what G Fletcher has like listening to other moms in the industry like Kate Middleton like G Mm. who um still works works from home works with the kids around sometimes she's away from home sometimes she's at home that mixture is it nice to connect with other working moms yeah it's it's reassuring because again you find out that we all have the same worries and the same guilts you know like Kate Middleton she's blooming royal family you know Mm -hmm. we couldn't have more different lives but she still has those same fundamental feelings and thoughts and I think that's nice for people to hear and I think when you are feeling really alone and you're really overtired and you feel like you're not coping well or you're not being a good parent and you listen to someone else say those same things that you're feeling you kind of go okay this is normal I'm doing all right hello and welcome to another episode of happy mum happy baby the podcast today's guest uh, I've kind of been begging her to come on since series one um she is my favorite of all the judges of all the shows she's been on a few of them um, she is an author, a rapper. I literally remember being in like my late teens and going and dancing to her raps and stuff in clubs. Uh, <laughs> she is a mother of two. It's the amazing Alicia Dixon. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Thank Honestly. you. It's primal, isn't it? Yeah. It's very, it's, it's normal, like mm-hmm. those feelings. I was worried at the time that I would not stop feeling like that. Yeah. And I was glad that it passed as quick as it did. And that is why this podcast exists. Yeah. Because people will be... Going, having those sorts of feelings and feeling like they're on their own and that actually maybe they're not meant to be a mum, maybe that, you know, maybe actually they've made a mistake, they've got right. no maternal bones in their body, whatever. Right. And I think understanding that your mind goes all sorts of places and that other people have felt it can yes. be such a comfort. Yes, exactly. I agree. I think we all need to know that we're all we're all experiencing the same things yeah. and you're not alone. But yeah. interestingly, you can feel so alone yeah. when you're in that dark place. Because also you want other people to think that you're really good. Yeah. You're a really amazing mum. Yeah. You're a superwoman. Of course. Of course. But I think there's there's absolutely no shame in saying I've I struggle. No. And I struggle even at this point with two children. I have my days where I have to say to myself, You're doing you're doing okay. You're yeah. trying your best and that's good enough today. I think realising that sometimes, some days, can it can all go wrong. Yeah. How do you find interviewing people? Because you're used to it being the other way around. Uh, it's so weird. I'm kind of used to it now, but I don't know, like interviewing, so someone like you who's a TV presenter, like you're a full-on presenter and I I interviewed Grimmy the other day and I got really nervous although I know him (laughs) so well I was like no this is the wrong way around you normally ask me the questions and um you're the one with the power now (laughs) I know yeah but it's weird I'm like okay um but yeah it's fun I like it but you get nervous about some and some you don't and yeah it's a funny situation Music is such a huge part of your life from such a young age how old were you when you knew you could sing Oh, I don't know. I think um, I was probably about nine when I started stage school. So probably not really until then, to be honest. I think my parents were like, what? 
<laughs> Where does that come from? Yeah, did anyone in your family sing? Did you come from a musical household? Um, my mum always played instruments, so she played mm-hmm. cello. Um, my aunt moved to like Florida when she was like 21 and she was always like a pub singer. So I think it's always been on my mum's side. Like my dad's side are completely tone deaf. It's horrendous. <laughs> so, but my mum's side, yeah, like my nan and granddad were always singing. Not No one professionally, but you know, it was more in their side. So, but also not pushy parents. So like I went to a local dance school and the dance teacher said to my parents, oh, I think you should send her to stage school. And then it kind of just kind of went from there. And how did Escob Juniors happen? Oh, they did like um, an open audition on CBBS with Escob Seven, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, "Oh, it's an open audition." Because at that time, I was at a local stage school, and I was like, "It's going to be loads of people there." And the night before, Rochelle and I were like, "Let's just go." We asked our mum. So were you, were were you like, friends at that stage? Yeah. So we went to the same stage school in Essex. Um, so we just decided the night before we had no songs practice, no dance routines practice. And our mums were like, okay, fine. So they took us and I think it was like 10,000 kids auditioned. Wow. Um, and there was like loads of stages you had to go through. And there was like kids practicing dance routines in the queue, kids doing the splits. And me and Rochelle were like trying to learn an S-Cup 7 song in time. And um, yeah, it was one of those things. And it was the first audition that I'd ever got through like I'd auditioned so many times for things and it was the first one that I got so it's pretty lucky hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I want to talk about a podcast now, which connects really well to this time of your life, um, which is the Teenage Mixtape um, oh, podcast. Yeah. And it's with comedians, Joel Domit and Steve Dunn, who are childhood besties, uh, similar <laughs> to like you and Rochelle growing up together. And basically they talk about the music that got them through puberty. And I guess when you were going through puberty, you were creating your own music. Uh, yeah, it's weird. A lot of the time that I experimented with like what music I liked and what I listened to and going to festivals and gigs and stuff was kind of between S Club Juniors and the Saturdays. So it was kind of, I think when I was like between about 16 and 18, I kind of, I became a bit of an emo as, <laughs> as they were called. Um, and I got really into bands and I used to go to like Reading Festival every year. And I, used oh, to go I, and you. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Yes. Yeah. I used to mosh and all that stuff. And so going on with Joel was quite nice because he's into a lot of that music. And yeah. for me, it's just really nostalgic. Like it just reminds me of a really fun, I suppose, carefree part of my life where I wasn't in the public eye and I could experiment because I hadn't been given the opportunity to do that really what type of bands were you listening to just give me names um well I loved people like Green Day and all oh, that fallout yeah. boy but Paramore was like my ultimate yeah. like I just thought Hayley Williams was like just the ultimate human like she could hit notes while jumping yeah. around and she just was insane uh, yeah that's a great really fun harmonizing game should we do it let's just do should it I start the note you start the note I'll start the note you join in with yeah, the harmonized it. do you want to jump in second and jump yeah yeah sounds good 
The word that we harmonise is chicken. So, <laughs> so there are four of us, which is great, like a four-way harmony, so good. And um, so I will just be in the kitchen cooking, and I go chicken, chicken, chicken. <laughs> Amazing. Should we do a, com- a combination of meals? So if you say chicken, <laughs> okay, then I'll oh. say peas, and then you say whatever I want. With and wait, the- okay. go go minor oh. on the end. That's your. So I would go. Chicken, you could go chicken, you could go chi- chicken, chicken. Oh, okay, right, here we go. Okay, so you're, so you're saying peas, are you? Yeah, I'm gonna add okay. something into the mix that I'm, I'm, I'm one chicken. With chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Chicken, peas, potatoes. <laughs> I think this God, is a really I love fun it. game. I, I can't believe you play the same game as we do at home. <laughs> oh, we love it. I do feel like you get insight into people when you know about their childhood and growing up. Like I felt like I was such a nerd growing up. And I was like, oh, just so uncool. But again, if I went to see, I remember going to see Green Day and I'm like, I am oh, the coolest chick in town. Yeah. And then I go back to my convent school that I went to. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think the geeking people are the ones that come out the coolest. Yeah. Like, and that's yeah. what I wish you knew when you were younger. You're like... Look, don't worry about being popular. Like they're not the cool kids when you get older. It is really interesting listening to teenage mixtape because um, it was people like Paddy McGuinness, All Time Low, Davina McCall, and I'm really surprised at what some people listened to when they were growing up. But I think, ah, oh, yeah, you're just you're just human like the rest of us. You listen to some interesting tunes. Yeah, I know. I think it's funny. And I think you do, like you said, you do learn a lot about someone by learning what they listen to. And like I remember someone saying to me and Wayne once, one of our good friends, he was like, so how did you two end up together? Because like Wayne's a bit out there sometimes and Frankie <laughs> seemed really like straight laced or whatever. And I was like, oh, really? And he was like, well, what was you like when you were younger? And I was like, well, I used to listen to like Under Oath and like screamo music and I used to go to gigs and go in like mosh pits and stuff. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> he actually thought I was called an emu as well. I was like, what are those emus? <laughs> um, speaking of you and Wayne, because... Obviously, we're in the house quite a lot. And like a lot of us, you're on TikTok now. And I am... I am very impressed with, well, I knew you could dance anyway. Wayne can dance. Oh, my goodness. And he takes it so seriously, Laura. His face, his face. I see his face, the concentration. His facials are amazing. He literally was like, because I was like, I'm not going on TikTok. You know, it took me ages to even get on Instagram. Yeah. And then I downloaded it just to watch them. And then I just got hooked. And then I tried to convince him to get involved and he was not having any of it. And now he is, I've like awoken a beast because he's now like a, twel- a 12-year-old girl. He was sat next to me yesterday, like practicing lyrics for this one that he really wants to do. And I was like, who have you become? And then we were like arguing over like artistic differences for one of the videos. And then we just started laughing because we were like, what what has happened to us? When you started out in your career, social platforms didn't really exist the way they do now. I think we had maybe Bebo and Facebook, but they were very different. They were more with your close group of friends. Yeah, remember Bebo? Bebo was huge in Ireland and MySpace, but we didn't really have the platforms like Twitter and Instagram where the whole world is watching and commentating on you. How do you think you would have coped in the band starting out if it was starting out now in 2020? I think it would be so much harder. I think that was one of the things like in Escob Juniors, nothing existed. Um, and that was amazing. I just got to live in this little bubble and loved my life. And with the Saturdays, I think when we first started, we used to have to sign into forums. Um, and we'd literally sign in, answer a few questions and then sign out again. And that was old quite school. Yeah. So it's like writing school. a letter. <laughs> I know, but even that seemed so like, I yeah. don't know, it, it seemed mad. Um, And then we didn't really get Instagram until like more than halfway through, really. Because even when I did Strictly in 2014, Mm -hmm. Instagram wasn't that big. So when I look back, I posted a few things, but not really. Um, And I think we were really lucky. I I am really happy that we got to experience it without that extra pressure because you're busy enough anyway. And then Mm -hmm. to have to kind of document everything and then deal with everyone's opinions especially when you're starting out because people can be 
really mean. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think it would have been quite a different experience. And I'm quite happy that we didn't have that because I think you become even more of like, people feel like they can say and do whatever they want when you're on TV anyway. And mm. then once you put social media into the mix, you're so accessible, which is amazing on so many levels. But in other ways, it kind of opens you up to a lot of scrutiny and meanness. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot out there. What's your relationship with, with social media now and how do you balance it? Um, You know what? I am very lucky. I don't get that many negative comments the only time it ever really annoys me is if they say some, something about my parenting or the boys or something about mm-hmm. Wayne when it's something about me I'm just a bit like oh, whatever so I don't that doesn't really bother me I think for me it's more on a personal level I compare myself to everyone all the time and I can't help it you know I'm the same as anyone else like I look at one girl and she looks really slim and amazing and I think oh I don't look like that or you see someone and you think oh they look happier or they look like they've got their life together whatever Mm -hmm. um and I do that and I've I've kind of got better at not doing that as much and I have got better at it at Instagram not being the first thing that I look at in the morning and the last thing I look at before I go to bed well done and and to hear that you compare yourself I think every single person compares themselves and I have a friend of mine is a new mom and uh, she put a picture of her holding the baby and and she's not necessarily in the limelight or anything but she couldn't believe the comments she got of you're holding the baby wrong and all these Uh, and and suddenly she felt oh oh god and and she felt should I take down that picture am I holding the baby wrong and and I think as a new mother, I don't know because I'm not at that stage, but I think as a new mother, you're dealing with whether you're doing things right or not and having to deal with that must be just horrific. In general, even without social media, the minute you find out you're pregnant, everyone's got an opinion, everyone asks loads of questions and I used to find it really annoying and I also just don't really understand it because I just think we're all going to do things differently and and we all know how hard it is so why can't we all just support each other? I also think if these are parents or mothers or fathers commenting I'm like look after your children and don't spend the time commenting on other people's pictures on their page. I know I just I don't understand it and even you know now with everything that's happening I've noticed more people say more negative things and I just yeah and I just think there's a lot of kindness, which I've loved seeing, but there is a lot of judgment on how people are spending their time isolating and com- comparison on who's got it harder and who's got it better and, and things like that. And that makes me sad because I think, you know, everyone's trying to cope in any way that they can. And I just think it's very unhelpful. Everyone's trying to deal with everything and it's just not, it's not helpful to be negative at this moment. It, it really isn't. Uh, right. The next podcast that's on my list uh, is, is it just me? Now, this started off Glamour magazine. It was, hey, it's okay. Um, the former editor, Joe Elvin. And I remember doing this podcast with Joe and James Williams, and they were working together. And I think we did it in a broom closet. <laughs> and uh, I remember in one episode, I think I might have been in your one, James just talking about how how he hates holidays. Like, how can you hate holidays? Who hates holidays? I know. Yeah, but you know what? I understood where he was coming from. I, I I get like real anxiety about going on holiday. So I love them, but I, I get anxious about booking them in case I book somewhere that's bad or rubbish. I get anxious when I'm there in case no one likes it or you turn up and it's not what you thought it was going to be. And then once I've got to that point, like once I've got over that and I've got there, I'm fine. But also when I'm really busy, it takes me about five days to relax into that holiday. And if you're only Mm. there for a week, then you've only really got two days where you've actually, you know, relaxed into it and enjoyed it. So I could see where he was coming from, but I still love holidays. I'm not going to lie. I just find when you come home, you just have this massive suitcase of dirty washing. I'm like, well, this is great. There's now have to deal with all this. Joe Elvin, um, who hosts with, with James Williams. I love Joe because she has met every single person and interviewed every single person. And she has that journalistic mind uh, where she knows what question to ask to get stuff out of you. Yeah, she's great. I love her. She's just, she's got such a naughty sense of humor as well. And I think I love that because like you said, she's met so many massive people and she's got quite a high powered, you know, busy job. But yeah, Mm -hmm. she just has this little naughty twinkle in her eye and I love it about her. Like it's not taken it out of her and she is who she is. I just have to realize I don't like heat. I don't tan. I feel very uncomfortable sitting in direct sunlight. Um, Mosquitoes love me. So basically what happened is I get there and 
of course, I'm bowled over by the landscape and how beautiful it is. But as the days wear on, I become more and more miserable because I'm just really hot. <laughs> you actually but, sound like my daughter. I know. She's exactly the same. Really? Sunburn, yeah. And I'm also just itching from all the hideous bites. And so it just isn't a nice, it's not a relaxing experience for me. So I honestly would rather have had a week off at home and have gone to those beautiful exotic... I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course, I appreciate wow. how they yeah. look. I know. I'm, okay, I'm a weirdo. Okay, I'm a weirdo. It's, it's and just then me. I'm guessing like a snow holiday is too far in the extreme. Well, that, that's the exception. Because I did... Some, when, I, when I made this announcement to my friend the other day, I said, look, I'm done. I'm done with holidays. And also, I get, I'm also on a serious note, I guess I've taken on more of a freelance career now. So, yep. you know, I'm not going to the same office every day, day in, day out. So I guess I feel less of a call to have a holiday because... I kind of have a bit of free time here and there and so it's not the mundane and I think a lot of the time we have holidays to break the mundane don't we of things we do every day every week love how he's dragging us into this don't we don't we guys <laughs> <laughs> it's true so, but, James, but James say- is a nice guy really <laughs> he's not I'm overprivileged not he's not no <laughs> I also think you and Joe are the two women that kind of give me short hair envy. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm like, maybe I could do a pixie crop. And then I'm like, no, my, my, I've got a weird shaped head. It's just not going to work for me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I do love that she has short hair. I um, Yeah, I can't imagine you with short hair. I'm not going to lie. But then no. it like, works both ways because I look at your hair and you get to do that like messy, wavy look all the time. And I'm like, oh, I want to be able to do that. Well, the messy, wavy look is just me out of bed. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I like the way she's done that. No, no. Eight hours in bed has done that. Natural. Oh, natural. Um, the final podcast that I'm going to mention on this week's Castaway is Control-Alt-Delete, Emma Gannon. From the outside, before social media, I feel like it was very easy to look at someone who was a pop star or someone who was in a band and see the photo shoots and see the glossy stuff and really maybe assume life is pretty easy and perfect. Mm. And I mean, I was laughing the other day to a friend because I went on a book tour literally to four bookshops in like Bristol and Manchester and I was like I'm knackered on my from my tour and then I was like I was like I wonder how Ed Sheeran's doing because I was like that is not a tour and and then you know reading about how you know how exhausted you guys were Mm. um during the chapter we talk about how you went to the GP and you were like I don't know I felt almost guilty in a way for assuming that that stuff was just fun but then I think as well it goes both ways because that is the whole point of a pop star, really. I mean, I know you're supposed to be like an an icon and that comes with all different hats. You know, you want to be relatable. and But back in the day, that wasn't really what pop stars were about. You were supposed to be like this unaccessible thing that people looked up to, like, like Britney Spears back in the day. Like, I didn't really want to know whether she was happy or sad, I suppose, at the time. I just liked her music. I liked her music videos and I thought she was cool, you know, and and I suppose that was our job then. So no one should feel guilty about that, but I just think times have changed now. People do want to know more. They do want to know the person more personally and deeply, but that wasn't really the case, like, years ago. That's really true, actually. I guess, yeah, you wouldn't have, like, boys and be, like, telling you their, their worries. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Emma and and everything that she writes. And her podcast is for people who looked at their interests to shape the work they do. And I mean, you more than anyone, your job is your interests and yeah. and everything you do. And 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 also, you know, you come from a singing background and you're a mus- musician, but also you're a writer and you're a mother and you've brought everything that you can do into your career because you have so many different aspects to it. How do you find juggling everything that you do? I don't know. I suppose I've spent I spent about I don't know, like fifteen years doing music and singing mm-hmm. or whatever, and, and that was amazing. And I think now I'm in a really lovely position to be able to kind of use that platform that was created over those years and try new things. And it's so nice. And everyone keeps saying to me, oh, "When are you going? Are you going to do your own music and whatever?" Mm-hmm. And I I don't feel like that now I think because I do have a family and you know with music it's 365 days of the year it's all day every day like it's it's full-on and and I, I feel like I've done that and I loved it but now I get to do things like you know like write my book which I would yeah. never have had time for before I've never done I've never written before and actually I always used to love writing when I was younger um and 
you know, do things like the podcast and interview people, turn that on its head. And it is really fun. And, and to be able to have an opinion now, you know, when you're in a pop group, you're there for people to, to make people happy, to entertain. And you kind of have to be one unit as a five of what your opinions are if that Mm -hmm. makes sense um whereas now it's quite nice I can have opinions I can say what I think and it's fun um it's hard to juggle it all but um I don't know yeah it's 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 just kind of a new chapter I suppose I'm just trying things out and and you can only pull from what you have and what your strengths are and you know, I feel like I'm doing that as much as possible. <laughs> you, you definitely are doing that. And we're presenting, you've done, I, I just look back on all the things that you've done. You presented as well. You, you write, you do so, and you did Strictly and you dance and you can mm. kind of do everything. And, and, and in the podcast with Emma on Control Alt Delete, I remember she was kind of talking about, I think, she's, I think she was talking about Britney Spears about, you know, I remember like when Britney Spears first came out, we didn't really want to know too much about her we didn't want we wanted her to be like unattainable unaccessible well now we want people to be real we want people to be authentic it's there has been a shift yeah a hundred percent like when so I first spoke out about my mental health in 2012 and it was almost like it was it was strange you know people didn't really do that and that was and that was with Jo Elvin she was amazing and put me on the cover of Glamour and it was a really safe space to do it and Mm -hmm. people still talk about that interview whereas now it is quite it is quite openly spoken about but I think that's not just because people have decided to talk about mental health I think it's because of things like social media where you do have more access and you do are getting to know celebrities and people on tv in a more personal way so I think it's just naturally became like that that people do feel that they want more out of someone. They want to know someone on more of a personal level. They want to feel like they can relate to them. Whereas I think back in the day, you didn't like, Britney Spears was like almost like a god, like yeah. and the Spice Girls. You were never going to be one of them. You mm-hmm. were never going to be friends with them, but you you wanted to be and you wished that you could, you know. Whereas I think now that's changed quite a lot. Yeah, and 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 it's that balance as well of how much you, you give away. And, and you talk about that because you speak about your relationship with, with Wayne, but I'm sure when you first met him, when you first start dating, there's an element of, oh, do I need to keep this private? Do I need to protect this? Yeah, and even now, you know, we do share quite a lot of stuff, but... You control it, it. Yeah, it shouldn't be a given. And that's one thing that I hate is like, we are allowed to still pick and choose what we share and what we don't. And mm. some people sometimes get angry, I think, um, because they assume someone should be giving this and saying that. And and I think that's unfair. I think we all have a right to have things that aren't everyone doesn't know about, like, you know, like you and Ian, we all know you're together and we know bits about your relationship, but we don't need to know the ins and outs and um and I think that's fair enough I remember doing an interview for a job that I had and the journalists started asking me about Ian and I said oh do you mind I don't want to talk about my personal life and they said but you put a picture up of him on your Instagram last week and I went, yeah <laughs> and what's yeah. your point <laughs> my work interviews have to be about him now and that's the same thing yeah yeah and that's and that's my point and I get obviously it's a different job and whatever but I just do think there is there is a fine line and that's why when like Instagram first came out I was like I give enough of myself like I go on interviews I do TV radio um, magazines papers and I had Twitter at the time and I was Mm. like do I really need to take this next step to do even more you know and um, I was quite reluctant to go on it but obviously now being self-employed it kind of was like a natural thing it's kind of part of, of work now. Uh, the last chapter in your book is I'm a work in progress, mm-hmm. which which I love. It wouldn't be right for me to be like, oh, look, and now look at me. I'm living my life perfectly and I'm great and everything's amazing because, first of all, that's not the truth. And and second of all, it's not fair to put that pressure on, on other people. Like, we're all a work in progress, no matter if you have mental health problems or not. You know, we're all still learning and that's kind of what I love about life and being human is like we are all still figuring it out and I think we often think and I still think it you look at other people and you think god they've really got their shit together and they know who they are and what they are and they've got everything planned out and I don't think anyone does they might have certain parts of their life like that but you know not everything and especially with mental health that that is so true you know I'm never necessarily going to be fixed but I can still 
I'm a prime example that you can still achieve things and you can enjoy your life and do the things you want to do but it's unrealistic to say I'm going to fix you and here's my book and you're better now. (laughs) With your book and with podcasts and with storytelling everyone takes a story and makes it their own and they can take from it what they want which is the joy of storytelling through writing through listening to a podcast through music um, that we can all take from it what we need to. Exactly. Who would be your dream interview? Oh God. Um Prince Harry and Meghan because I just think there is there is so much that has happened whether you agree with what they've done or not it's brave and it's Mm -hmm. fascinating and I would love I'd love to chat to them about that like how they came about that how it's made them feel what brought them to that moment and how they feel about their life going forward of all the interviews they do no one really asks them how they are or if they're okay no, and you know that in in the royal family they give obviously a lot of their self, all their time is spent kind mm-hmm. of making sure everyone else is okay, and the etiquette and doing things the way they're supposed to be doing exactly. It. Um, and I thought uh, she got a lot of stick for that. Oh, she's mm-hmm. an actress; she can turn that on. And I just thought, why do people have to look at it that way? But yeah, there is there is again, you know, there's a lot of strength in saying to someone, "How are you." Because yeah. you wouldn't ever think to ask them that. And I thought that was lovely. And also for her to reply, I'm not okay. Yeah, no one's really answers that, um, honestly, unless you're like at home with a friend or something like that. Mm-hmm. I always say like the worst person I think to fall in love with would be a member of the royal family. Like mm-hmm. I just think it's so you have to give your whole life up. And people can say she knew that when she went into it, but you can't help who you love. And I think, you know, they're, they're not a celebrity. They're, it's bigger than that. You know, she had to mm. learn how to sit, how to wave, what to wear. She had to give up her job, her, you know, like so much. And I just can't imagine, I just can't imagine what that would be like. Kate too, but she seems to have managed to to do it and she seems happy and that's fair enough. But Yeah, although she seems it. Again, when she did the podcast with um, G. Fletcher, it was mm. lovely listening to her. It was just a different tone to how I'd yeah. heard her speak before, which was lovely. But yeah, that's so, I, okay. So, you know, Megan Markle, if you are listening to the podcast, <laughs> thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you for your recommendations. There's such a nice mixture of things there um, and enjoy the rest of uh, your time at home and Thanks. I'm looking forward to lots more of TikToks. Thanks, babe. And that's it. Another episode down as we delve deep into my guest's audio world. I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks. Yeah, I just said that. Sorry. All of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes. Now, if you love this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of Cast Away delivered straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.